Chapter Five of Through Glacier Park Seeing America First with Howard Eaton by Mary Roberts Reinhardt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five Running Water and Still Pools. Holidays are rare with me, so on those occasional days when the party rested, I was up and away. I happened to like to fish. The same instinct which sent me as a child on my grand-aunt's farm, armed with a carefully bent pen, an old cigar-box full of worms, and a piece of twine, to sit for hours over a puddle in a meadow and fish for minnows. The same ambition which took me on flying feet up the hillside to deposit my prey, still wriggling in a water-barrel, where for days I offered it food in the shape of broken crackers, and wept to find eventually its little silver belly upturned to the morning sky. That joy of running water and still pools and fish is still mine. I cannot cast for trout. I do it, but my technique sets the boat to rocking and fishermen to grinding their teeth. But I had taken west with me a fly-hook and a trout-rod, and I meant to use them. Now and then, riding along the trail, we met people who drew aside to let us pass, and who held up such trout as I had never dreamed of. Or, standing below a waterfall, would be a silent fisherman too engrossed to more than glance at our procession as it wound along. But repeated early attempts brought me not a single strike. Once in my ardor I fell into an extremely cold lake, and had to be dried out for hours. I grew caustic about the trout. Then somebody, with the interest of the park at stake, said that he would make up a party and see that I caught some trout. He would see that I caught something, he said, if he had to crawl into the lake and bite my hook himself. So we went to Red Eagle Lake. There are trout in that lake. There are cutthroat trout weighing four pounds. I sat in a boat with a man who drew one in. I saw two college boys in their undergarments, standing up to the waist in ice water, and getting more large trout than I knew were in the world. I ate trout that other people caught, but they were bitter in my mouth. I threatened to write up Glacier Park as being a fishing failure. The result was calamitous. Earnest-eyed fishermen spent hours in rowing me about. They imperiled my life, taking me into riffles. They made me brave pneumonia and influenza and divers other troubles in the determination that I should catch a mammoth fish. And nothing happened, nothing whatever. Once a man in the boat hooked a big one, and it ran under the boat. I caught the line and jerked the fish into the boat. That was the nearest I came to catching a large cutthroat trout at Red Eagle Lake. Later on, but I haven't come to that yet. I did catch some fish at Red Eagle. I caught some dolly varden and rainbow trout. One of the earnest fishermen led me on foot over several miles of Rocky Mountain scenery, stopping ever and anon to show me where a large bear had just passed. The trail was fresh. Here were the stones he had turned over for ants, the old trunks he had scratched for grubs. Then we arrived at the foot of a waterfall. What a place it was! The water poured down in clouds of spray on which the afternoon sun painted a rainbow. Tiny water oozels bathed and played in the pools and shallow rocks, and here, in deep holes, there were trout for the catching. The fisherman stationed me on a rock, waited my hook, told me to drop in about forty feet of line and stand still. They would hook themselves. They did. I caught eight in fifteen minutes. But it was not sport. 
It was as interesting as fishing for goldfish in an aquarium. I lay that night at Red Eagle in a tent on a bed built of young trees driven into the ground and filled with balsam branches. A pack-horse had carried up the blankets and pillows. It was a couch for a queen. In the forest a mountain lion screamed like a woman, and at two o'clock in the morning one of the college boys got up from the cook-tent where he was sleeping, and said he thought he would go fishing. As I look back, that was a strange gathering at the fishing camp at Red Eagle, so very far from anything approaching civilization. There was a moving-picture man and his outfit. There were the two college men. There was the chief ranger of Glacier Park. There was a young couple from New England who were tramping through the park, carrying their tent and other things on their backs. They were very young and very enthusiastic. I suspected them of being bride and groom, although I did not know, and the most vivid recollection I have is of seeing the young woman washing their camp dishes in the cleanest, soapiest dishwater I had seen since I left home. And there was a cook who is a business man in the winter, and who made excellent soda biscuit and talked books to me. That night around the campfire there were more stories told. The college boys, Pie Way, the Yale pitcher, was one, related many marvelous tales. They said they were true. I hope so. If they were, life is even more interesting and thrilling a thing than I had believed. If they were fiction, they had me beaten at my own game. The next day was lowering and cold. I spent the morning trying to get fish, and retired sour and disappointed when everyone else succeeded and I failed. Sometime I am going back to Red Eagle Lake, and I shall take with me a tin of coral-colored salmon eggs, a trick I learned from George Locke on the Flathead River later on. And then I intend to have my photograph taken with strings of fish like bunches of bananas around me. End of chapter 5